Welcome to the Higher Ed Retire Podcast with your host, Greg Shepard. Greg is a fee-only financial advisor who specializes in helping those in higher education to take control of their retirement. Since 2001, Greg has helped employees all over the country make the most of their retirement plans. Hey there, folks. This is Greg Shepard with Higher Ed Retire Podcast. Really appreciate everyone out there tuning in today. So i got a good one here for you today. It's going to impact most of you, if not all of you out there, okay? So if you're an employee of a higher ed institution, this most likely will impact you, whether you know it or not. So before I get going, who am I and why should you be listening to me? So for those of you that don't know, my name is Greg Shepard. I've been in the investment management slash financial planning industry for, gosh, since 2001, however long that is, 19, 20 years. All with the same firm. I always mention that because that's very important because you do have a lot of turnover in this industry. And I'll be at the same firm since I own it until I most likely retire. I specialize in helping those in higher education like yourself navigate their retirement plans and get you through retirement. So today we're going to be talking about target date funds. Now, some of you out there just went right over your head. Others, that terminology, that term rings true to you. These are investments within your retirement plan that, again, most of you, if not all of you, were defaulted to. Now, what I mean by that is when you were uh, hired at your higher ed institution, you did all the HR things, right? You got your benefits in place. One of them was your retirement plan. It may or may not have been explained to you that when you do nothing in regards to choosing your investment selections you will be defaulted to a certain investment. That investment will be either most likely TIAs or Fidelities. They're the two big boys in this industry. Now, there are some others out there, okay? So those aren't the only two, but those are the most popular ones. You'll default to TIAs or Fidelities target date fund. This fund is one fund comprised of many funds that will get more conservative as you get older. You'll get more bonds in that portfolio, as you get older. So there's a misconception that you only have one investment. I guess that's true. It is one investment, but it's an investment of investments, okay? It's one mutual fund made up of that company's mutual funds, okay? It's a fund of funds. All right, so I'm going to get into that here in just a bit. So I'm also going to get into a little story here of a client that was kind of the catalyst of this podcast. He came in last week, and uh, it just dawned on me how little knowledge there is about these target date funds. But also, before I get going, I want to raise the question to you, are these target date funds, is there a conflict of interest? Is there a conflict of interest with these target date funds? So think about it. What I mean by this is that you, okay, let's take you for example, okay? Let's say you're at a, a fairly large institution. Most likely your retirement plan is dominated by TIAA, TIA, okay? So you have the TIAA target date fund, which by the way, they call it, I believe their life cycle fund. Let's say it doesn't matter, the 2050 target, oh, I'm sorry, life cycle fund. This life cycle fund is made up of all TIAA products. Again, unbeknownst to you, most likely you didn't choose this, so it's kind of unbeknownst to you. That TIAA lifecycle fund, again, has a bunch of TIAA investments within it. Remember, once you choose any investment, the company that basically owns that investment is making money off that said investment. So if they have an expense ratio 
of 30 basis points, which is 0 0.30, 0 0.50, 0 0.60, it doesn't matter. That fund in this particular case, owned by TIAA, they get a portion of that money, a large portion of that money. That's how they make money, amongst other ways. But the main way is off these expense ratios and you having money in money market slash cash as well. But we're not going to go there today. So is it a conflict of interest? I, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I think these target date funds are good. So when you start bringing up this conflict of interest, you can make a small case for that. But I think it, I think they're ultimately doing what is in the best interest of you, the employee, ultimately, okay? Even though I don't agree a lot with these target date funds, I think it's better than what it used to be, which I'll shed upon some light here in just a bit. First, maybe not first, but let me transition into the story I was talking about. Where I had a client, now a client, he wasn't at the point, but he and his wife, he's a doctor at a certain institution, they came into my office last week. Okay, it was a quick turnaround. There are clients as of today. They were both, he is a very intelligent person, way smarter than me. He's in especially uh, a specialist at his institution, runs circles around me intellectually, but neither of them, and, and she was too. She was an intelligent person, and they were educated in the investment world, but didn't really have any knowledge about their own retirement plan. I mean, he and she, they both talked to, in this case, TIAA reps. They've done a few seminars, you know, online, but, you know, they weren't getting what they needed. It was just very general, very blah information. And so I kind of knew what was coming, what was facing me before we even got our conversation going, because I have a lot of clients at his institution. So I knew his retirement plan like the back of my hand. So my very first very innocent question is, hey, Mr. Doctor, soon-to-be client, what investment do you have in your retirement plan? And I knew he already had. He, he had a 401A, a 403B, and a 457. So we had three of these plans. And he told me, well, what's funny about that, Greg, is that we don't have a control over that. And I, I knew he was wrong. So I just want to, you know, you got to be very careful about talking to people when you're talking to people about telling them they're wrong. So I just fished for some more answers by asking questions. And I asked, well, what investment do you have? And he said, again, it doesn't matter because I have no control. And I said, hey, let's just bring it up here on, on the, the big screen here in my office, and let's take a look. So I have an administrative, not administrative, but an advisor, TIA website. It's different for all you retail investors out there. I can see a few more things that you don't have access to. So we pulled his plan up, and I said, okay, Mr. Doctor, soon-to-be client, Here's a 401A, here's a 403B, here's a 457. You have multiple choices within those plans, not just one specific investment that you default to. His eyes got wide, his wife's eyes got wide, and she she actually asked him, hey, husband, I'm not going to give you his name. Hey, husband, uh, I thought you checked this out. Didn't you check this out? And he said, of course, I did. I called the TIA rep and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I'm not here to be a marriage counselor, which it wasn't getting, I'm not being dramatic. It didn't get that bad, but... Point of the story is I educated them right there and then that they had other choices. So we talked about that target date fund. And he's relatively young. He's been there at this institution uh, for maybe not, not 10 years, but close to it. Uh, so what we did is we took that target date fund, which he was defaulted into and was under the guise, under the impression that he didn't even have any other choices. I have this awesome software, okay? What it does is it shows clients visually how much risk they're taking in their portfolio, shows uh, expense ratios, it shows how much risk on the downside, how much risk on the uh, on the upside. 
a lot of powerful information that most people couldn't care less about, but it comes in real handy when I'm doing these kinds of, uh, we'll call them presentations. So plugged in his target date fund, and then what I did is I built literally in 30, ah, 45 seconds, maybe a minute, a portfolio that he could be in. Now, I did this because I already knew the retirement plan. It was sitting there right in front of me so I could just build it um, as, we, as we talked, basically. I've done it a few times. But what I was able to show him is, okay, Mr. Doctor, soon-to-be client, here's your target date fund. Here is the risk that you're taking. Here are the expenses associated with said investment. Here's the downside risk, upside risk, all that good stuff. Here's the, here, here's the portfolio you could have. Just a quick allocation, okay? We can, we can customize it, which we did more so later, but this kind of gives you an idea. Well, guess what? Same exact stock to bond to real estate allocation, but the one I put together in about a minute had less risk on the downside and better odds of making money when the market goes up. Expense ratios were, I don't recall exactly, they were the same, okay? They were in the ballpark, maybe a little lower, maybe a little higher. It was insignificant. Well, a light bulb went off in both their heads. I could see it, eyes lit up, and they said, let's do it. I mean, I didn't even have to ask them. It was a no-brainer. Folks, if you have interest in your retirement plan, which, by the way, you do just from the sheer fact that you're listening to this podcast, then you need to exercise those brain muscles, okay? You need to take responsibility upon yourself to do what I'm talking about just for for informational purposes, okay? And if you can't do it on your own, uh, by all means, give me a holler. Get in touch with me. You don't need to be a client of mine to help you out. Literally, it would take me five minutes to help you out, okay, folks? I've been doing this for a while. It really won't take me that long. My email at my office is greg at shepherdfinancial.com. Shepherd is S-H-E-P-A-R-D, phone number. In my Kansas City office, we have a couple offices. Uh, we shed one. What are we down to? Three, three, two, three. I should know that, right? Uh, offices across the country. We do help people all over the country, by the way. Every university you can think of that has a retirement plan, we can help you out. Phone number, my Kansas City office, 913-521-2381. So my soon-to-be client doctor is now client doctor. <laughs> Hopefully I said that right. I'm confusing myself and most of you out there. Okay. Moving on here, so what is a target date fund? I kind of explained it a little bit, but these are funds made up of funds, okay? So if you have TIA and Fidelity, you're going to have a TIA life cycle fund of, I don't know, whenever you're whenever you're uh, projected to be 65, I believe it is, that's the date that the fund correlates to. So if it's like a 20, 50, 55 life cycle fund, it's going to have more stocks in it than a 20, 30 life cycle fund, okay? Because these funds get more conservative as you get older. You get more more of a higher allocation of bonds. Now, folks, one of the questions uh, this soon-to-be doctor at the point in time, his wife asked, which was a very good question, Greg, are all these target date funds alike? What's the difference between them? Great question. And the answer is there's not one size fits all. There's index target funds, target date funds. There's actively managed target date funds. And I tell you what, if you if you were to uh, take it upon yourself to go research for the sake of this argument, sake of this uh, podcast, Schwab's target date fund 2050, Fidelity's 2050, Tia's 2050, even though they'll have possibly around the same, very close, the same allocation towards stocks, the allocation of those stocks are going to be different. There's going to be a higher allocation in one emerging markets compared to the other one. One's going to have more uh, growth-oriented versus the other one value. You get the idea. 
So there is no one-size-fits-all, all right? Uh, before I get into that stuff, well, I already did, but uh, let me transition into some pros and cons of these investments, okay? I'm kind of going to go off tangents here with my pros and cons, so we'll kind of take them one by one. I'm not a fan of these target date funds. I say that with a caveat. I'm a fan of them for those that just couldn't care less. It's better than sitting in cash or money market. I mean, it's 100%, in my opinion. I should never use 100%. I think it's a very high percentage better idea <laughs> invested in these target date funds versus money markets, which, by the way, back in the day, pre-target day fund world, you were defaulted on, on a lot of universities I dealt with. You defaulted to money market, to cash, unless you told these vendors what to do, okay? And a lot of these vendors' reps are not that helpful. They are not your retirement planners. They're not, they're not your financial advisors. They're not your fiduciaries. They are employees of that company. Of course, they're going to tell you to invest with Tia or Fidelity because that's their boss. That's who pays the lights, the light bill, okay? Other podcasts, I explain, even though you may have two or three vendors in your retirement plan, you don't necessarily have to go 100% of your money with that particular vendor. You can, you can divvy it up amongst vendors for various reasons I won't get into today. Also, folks, write this down. Store it away in the, in the back doldrums of your brain. Broker's link. Huge, huge, huge brokerage link. Most of you have that out there. You don't know a thing about it. Uh, if I had 10, 100 employees in my basement here, which I am during COVID times, uh, that'd be a lot of people down here. But if I had 100 people down in my basement talking about this stuff, I'd say 98 of them would have not a clue what brokerage link is. Folks, that is your advantage from a retirement plan perspective when it comes to your, your, your investments, okay? Let's go back. I digress a little bit. We'll start with a pro here. I think a pro of this target date funds, I've mentioned this a couple of times, but it's a set it and forget it mentality. For Fine for those that don't want to think about it and quite frankly just don't care. Like I mentioned, this is not you. I'm talking to you that's listening to this podcast right now because you're listening to this podcast. So you do care. Uh, another pro is they do have decent expense ratios, okay? Now the more, well, the index related target date fund is going to be cheaper then the more actively managed. You're actively managed. You're looking at 30, 40, 50, 60 basis points. So a basis point is basically a percentage of what you're paying that company, that investment. So 60 basis points is 0.6% a year that you are paying to own that investment. In the new era of just cost-driven down world of investing, that's not terrible, you know, 60 basis points. Uh, the, I like the index ones, to be honest, because they're cheaper. All right. So the pros, uh, for those that don't care too much, set it and forget it. And some, some expense ratios are pretty good. Uh, a con is that, I've, again, I've already st talked about this, but they're not all created equal. Uh, each target date fund will be different in the sense that some will have more growth, more value, more emerging markets, more real estate. So you really have to be careful. A better way to put it is you have to look under the hood as to what you're invested in. Because folks, if you if you have accounts like rollover IRAs or contributory IRAs, Roth IRAs, and of course, your employer retirement plans, let's say you have heavy exposure in real estate in your IRA. Well, you have no idea how much real estate you have in your 401A, 403B, or 457 unless you look under the hood and find out. So if your IRA has like 20% real estate and your target date fund has five, well, all of a sudden, you could have more real estate than you're comfortable owning. 
Same thing with gross stocks, value, small, mid. You get the idea. Here's one of the biggest cons, okay? What I don't like about these target date funds, sectors. Okay, folks, here we are in the, in the era of COVID 2020. Later in the year 2020, we've come out of the mess that we saw back in March. This has been the biggest, how do I say this? The biggest year where I have invested in sectors, more so than any other year since I've been doing this, okay? So when we were at the bottom in March, April-ish, okay, March 23rd was the bottom here in this COVID recession, I started reallocating. I thought to myself, what sectors, what investments will lead us out of this and continue in 2021 and 2022? This isn't rocket science, okay? We're looking at technology, healthcare, and certain, and a few other sectors as well. That has turned out to be a very good, as of November, middle November, turned out to, to be very good, okay? You cannot do that with a target date fund. You can't call TIAA and say, hey, in this, in this uh, life, cycle, life cycle fund, I want more technology. I want more healthcare. I want more XYZ. They say, well, go out and get it in your employer retirement plan. You can't do that within the target date fund, okay? I honestly think that's the biggest drawback of these target date funds if you do care, have some interest in your retirement plan, folks, you want to be able to invest in certain in certain areas, whatever whatever it is. A, a lot of my clients in higher ed are interested in green energy. Well, guess what? We got it. And it really doesn't matter. You may think you don't have access to these types of investments, folks. I'm telling you here today, there's more to your retirement plan than you know. Okay, and it lies within that brokerage link. Another podcast another day. Okay. Again, get in touch with me and I can shed some light on that. Another con, did I talk about this already? Uh, proprietary funds. So what I mean by this is TIAA or Fidelity, you know, they own the investment and you're buying a fund of funds. I've already mentioned that these expense ratios are correlated with how much money these companies take in. So they're saying, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Jones over at ABC University, we're going to default you to uh, Fidelity. We'll use Fidelity now. Fidelity's Target. I think they're called Target Date. I can't recall. I should know this, but I can't remember right now. We're going to default you to Fidelity's Target Date Fund of 2050. Inside that Target Date 2050 are all of our Fidelity funds. So you get the drift here. This goes back to that conflict of interest conversation I was having with myself earlier. So you're only you're not necessarily putting all your eggs in one basket, but you're putting all your eggs in a basket that a company owns. Terrible analogy, I do realize that, but you're buying you're, you're putting all of your investments in one company. I personally would want that spread out, okay? And you can accomplish that outside of these target day funds regardless of who that vendor is. Educate yourself, folks, okay? Let's move on. Actually, I'm going to start closing this down here, uh, but I will tell you this. I'll, I'll, I'll emphasize, reemphasize that these target date funds aren't necessarily bad. Okay, I like them. I'd rather you be invested in target date funds than sitting in cash or 100% in bonds and you don't even know it. So I do like that idea. What I don't like is you losing control is that set it and forget it mentality. You become complacent. And there are, in my opinion, better ways to do this out there. Folks, if you could... Uh, increase your odds, increase your chances by making 1% a year or more per year. Folks, let's start compounding that out 15 years. Just do the little Google calculator, okay, and start doing compounding math. It's a huge difference. So have someone like myself, if you're not, uh, I shouldn't say able, everyone's able out there, if you, but if you don't want to mess with it, have someone like myself 
help you out, a fee-only financial advisor, okay? There's a lot of good people like me. <laughs> I just called myself a good person, right? Um, but there's a lot of good people out there that can help you out. Uh, but if you want to get in touch with my office, my email, greg at shepherdfinancial.com. Shepherd is S-H-E-P-A-R-D. Phone number in Kansas City, 913-521-2381. Folks, I appreciate you hanging in there today. I hope you take one or two things away from this podcast. I have many other podcasts out there. You can find those on my website. I no longer have a, uh, a podcast website. My firm's website is safinancialservices.com. You can find my podcasts there. Until next time, folks, please take control of your retirement today. Thanks for listening to the Higher Ed Retire Podcast. Just because this episode is over doesn't mean you can't continue your retirement journey. Please visit www.higheredretire.com to see how you can work with Greg or to simply ask him a question. Thanks again. S&A Financial Services is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.